This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to episode number 18 of Double Tap for Friday the 23rd of September 2022. I am Stephen Scott. Today on the show we get the chance to talk to Colin Hughes who lives with muscular dystrophy. He talks about Apple's new accessibility features in iOS 16. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Yeah, welcome along to it then. It's Friday. Sean Priest is here. How are you, Sean Priest? Bow, bow. music is so good. So good. I'm fantastic. It's Friday or something. It is Friday, yes. It is. Yes. It's, you know, it's been such a weird week because it's kind of flown in. You know, there's been so much going on. I know. I've said that. I don't know what it is. This week has been hectic, hectic, hectic. I tells you. Is that how it is? Hectic it's been. It has. Yes. Before you know it, it's done. A lot like life. Oh, wow. there you go. I've gone uh, dark we already. Go right away, we oh. get to the. That's nice. Happy weekend. Yeah, happy weekend to you. <laughs> Enjoy it while it lasts. Um, yeah, well, look, it's Friday. We're here. We're going to be talking with Colin Hughes today. Uh, Colin, I mentioned, uh, he's got muscular dystrophy. And uh, the reason we get Colin on today is because he is going to talk about the accessibility features in iOS 16 that have made a big difference to him. And one particular feature, it's a bit of a tease for you, but one <gasps> particular feature that made him cry. <gasps> what could that be? Mm. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, very interesting. Because, you know, as ever, we're in our own little blind bubble here, and it's always good. I mean, we talked about the um, Apple Watch mirroring and all that, didn't we? And uh, again, yep. I, I, I don't particularly have a use for it from a visually impaired point of view. But again, amazing. Those sort of features that people think about for other disabilities, absolutely amazing. I think that's the point, though, isn't it? That, you know, we do get into our bubble and we kind of forget that there are many other features in that accessibility field or that accessibility area of the of the phone that yep. we, we really talk about because we're in our bubble. We talk about our things. Apple there's nothing Watch wrong with that either. No, no, not at all. No, and look, we're blind guys, right? So that's what we do, right? We talk Correct. about that. But it is on us, I think, and it's on me to, to make sure we get many voices yes, on here. Yeah, it's on me because I'm not yeah. going to ask you to do anything. No, you kidding. Um but oh, hang on. <laughs> I got very passive aggressive very yeah, that, quickly. Did it? Was that meant was that wasn't it shouldn't have been passive aggressive. It should have just oh, been yeah. aggressive. I'm sorry. Right. I'm aggressive, sorry. Clearly hanging about too many Americans. Um but yeah, so wow, that was passive aggressive. <laughs> right, sorry, carry on. <laughs> but honestly, um, you know, we we look at a feature like Apple Watch mirroring and we always do the same thing, don't we? We kind of go, Well, what's in it for us? And, yeah, exactly. You know, I don't know if there is. I really don't know. But for Colin, there certainly is. And like I say, that feature that made him cry. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll be intrigued to hear your thoughts on that when it's uh, when, we, when we're done. And so yeah, that conversation coming up a bit later. Um, but uh, I just want to quickly mention ID twenty four, inclusive design twenty four, which took place in Toronto yesterday, and it's a big, big event that happens. It's all on YouTube. Just search for the hashtag ID twenty four on Twitter or check out Inclusive Design 24 on YouTube because everything that was uh, happening at that event was made available online. And it goes into everything, right? So it goes into the whole world of web design and how to make the web more accessible, how to make your apps more accessible. So if you're a developer that listens to this, and I know developers do listen to our show, um, you know, that's a great result. They do. Hello. Um, Lots of people listen to our show. It's amazing the people who who sometimes will email in and just be like, you know what? I check in your show. People do listen. And they, they check in and they go, you know, I, I'm a developer for XYZ. Wow. You know? Um, but they just want to hear about how we use our tech and they're interested in the conversation. So, you know, everyone's Badly, welcome here. In our case, yes. Thank you. Yeah, we Thank you for bad. listening. We love yeah. you. But it, it is so important, right? Design is, 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 I mean, inclusive design is at the heart of everything for us. Because if it's not inclusively designed, ideally from the ground up, then it's probably not going to be particularly accessible to us at all. And um, we all know what it's like when accessibility is kind of jammed on the side or, you know, jammed in 
yes. the end it's of like the process. It's like your DIY, isn't it? It's just nailed on and hoped that it works. It's like the time and, I, uh, I, I put up a, a shelf by using screws and nails and uh, screws and hammers, actually. Screws and hammers. Screws and hammers. Yes, there's a podcast title. And I, I, I was thinking more <laughs> of your, um, your blind, smart blind motors, which basically you just stuck up with sticky tape. But um, Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the point is, look, I had a, 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 a discussion recently. Well, a discussion, an email back a and discussion. forth. A discussion? Okay, I this is interesting. I conversed. No, I, I was talking, I was giving feedback to the anchor people with the Sancor frames. And I was saying, you know, the, your app isn't accessible and it's a real shame because, you know, I'd love to look into some of the options you've got there. And it came, you know, is there any plans for the future for accessibility? And the response I got was, no. You know, I'm sorry it's not working for you, but uh, currently we have no plans. And yeah, you think, tough. Uh, well, yeah, well, basically, yeah. You know, and it, it's so disheartening because you think, well, surely accessibility should just be in there from the start. It, it, it's There's so many tools and resources and so many frameworks that are, yeah, particularly in iOS. Anyway, there's so many. The framework is already there. Just, yeah, but you see, you get into it. your bubble again. You see, that's the problem. You see, you're in this bubble of well, everyone should know about it, but actually, I don't believe most developers have a clue. Because let's be honest about it. When it comes to developing an application, their focus, they're in their bubble, and they're developing an application mm-hmm. for whatever purpose it has. Yeah, they're not even thinking about accessibility because they're not. It's not even part of their. Their, their thought process, it's not part of who they are. They maybe never met a disabled person in their lives. I'm sorry, yes, but when you're learning to code, that should be part of the learning process. Well, anyway, that's, a, but, that's uh, a very important part of this, yes. That's a huge aside, part of it. Aside from that, when you're at a certain level, I'm sorry, you, when you're at the level of Logitech or Anchor, for that matter, then you do have a responsibility. I'm sorry, I'm not talking about the lone developer out there mm. who's you know working hard on a on a project. Even then... You know, there's no excuse. Look at, um, I've forgotten his name now, the developer of um, Dream Reader and all those. Well, voice you know, Dream, uh, Winston Chen. Winston Chen, of course. Yeah. Look, perfect example, right? Single developer on his own, totally accessible. So th- there really is no excuse. But I do give, I, I expect more from major companies, like I say, like Logitech and Anchor. I, I just don't think it's good enough. Yeah, well, it's interesting. Sorry. No, 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 look, it's a, it's a very fair point. And I think that it's getting to a stage where more of us are talking about this. Um, I mean, I think the, the, the problem we sometimes have in our community is very, well, there's, there's a lot of us out there who are happy to shout about accessibility and, you know, make things more accessible. But then there's the other side of the coin, which is, well, how do you do it? And if someone was to ask me how to make a website more accessible or make a game more accessible or an app, I'd be like, mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there is that aspect of it, which is maybe we need we need to know some of the resources to point people to. And I don't know if those are as clearly signposted because, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, if you're being told and look, think about it this way. You know, we are coming to it and saying, make your app more accessible. Someone else might be coming to it and saying, make, make your app more available on more platforms or make your app more, you know, whatever it is. And they're getting all this feedback and all this push and they're trying their best to keep up. So it's a difficult one, right? Is and you have to be—I think you have to be fair with people, and you have to say oh, to yeah, people, definitely. "Look, we've got it." But again, this is kind of the point of this conference, this inclusive design conference. It's kind of out there twofold: it's to talk to the people who know, so it's preaching to the choir, and that's fine, uh, and that's important. But it's also a chance for other organisations, other loan developers, other big companies to come in and learn. And you know, the great thing about this conference being available online whilst it's something you and I might not, and most people probably wouldn't sit down and watch because it's quite technical, a lot of it. Uh, yeah, you know, it's yeah, exactly. d- definitely more for the developers. But in saying that, you know, those developers who are a bit maybe worried to put their head above the parapet and say, I don't know about accessibility, this is the way to find out because you can get that information. It's all there. Like you've said, the resources are out there, but mm-hmm. you need to know what they are. You need to know where they are. And you need to kind of get a sense of what they do. Right, because yeah. I mean, it's like okay, so I've made my app fully compliant with VoiceOver. Great, okay, um, but the text size is tiny. Okay, um, well, mm. you can just make the text size bigger in your app. Well, okay, I can do that. Um, but you know, now you've got the colors wrong because the, you've got to think about color and, and grayscale and yeah, of course, and, of and course. so it goes on. So you know, it, it's a big picture. 
you're trying to, and, and we don't fully understand it, right? We've just said at the top, we've just said, <laughs> we sit and we look at yeah. every feature and go, well, what's in it for us? Yeah, I don't care about text size. Couldn't care less. No, I can voice over read it. You know, so I'm even. But, I mean, but a, if you had Dave Brown sitting here, Dave would be saying, "Well, I I care about text size." Exactly right. You know yes. what I mean? So it's it's that kind of thing. So it's, but it's we are really patient. Difficult. We are incredibly patient most of the time when it comes to this sort of thing. It's the willingness and the reception you get from the developer or the company itself. And I'm sorry, just getting a response saying, "No, we're not doing it." Isn't good enough. That's not good enough. No, that is not good enough, and it's it's yeah. it's shameful actually when companies do that. I'm glad you named them because it's important we get the message out there. Look, companies, you've got to get on board with this. And why wouldn't you want? To, this is why I keep saying, why do you not want people to buy your products? What you hate money? You don't want money. Yeah, I, exactly. You spent all this money and, and time and effort on R and D to build R&D. a product, and then you don't want anyone to buy it. <laughs> What's wrong yeah. with you? Come I will on. just say the the, the anchor sandcores. By the way, I I do love them, uh, and. You know, have you, you figured out how through- to turn them on yet? Uh, no. Right. Um, that's, <laughs> that's the trouble. Kind of important part of the, the, <laughs> the feature set. The, the thing in the app, like the equalizer is inaccessible. There are some bits you can use, um, but it, it's not essential for the use of the sunglasses themselves. But it, like I say, it's annoying. I, I want to change the settings of what the taps do on the arms, and that is inaccessible to me. So it's that sort of thing that makes, yeah, it's frustrating. You can get someone to do it, set it and forget it, and never go back to it, and it's fine. But I should be able to do that myself. Um, but yeah, i got to say, I do love the Anchor Sankor frames, just not the app. Listen, go check out ID24. Like I say, it's on YouTube. You'll see, you can find it there. Inclusive Design 24. Um, you know, it, it just, I, I think it's worth mentioning that. It was in Toronto yesterday and it's a great, great thing that it's happens cool. every year. Um, I've just got a text from DHL telling me there's a parcel on the <gasps> way to me today. <gasps> I think I know what it is. Oh, it's my what, Apple what Watch it? Ultra. It's about time. Cool. And Apple AirPods 2. Mm, AirPods Pro too. Sorry. AirPods Pro too. Well, yeah, not so, not so exciting. Adaptive hey. transparency, um, personalized yeah. spatial, two times the noise cancellation. Come on, are you kidding me? This is brilliant. Yeah, I, I would like that. Yeah, okay. Now I've changed my mind. I'll have them off you. They sound <laughs> amazing, actually. I would out of the two you're getting today. I would, yeah, I would actually prefer the AirPod Pros too over yeah. the Ultra. I, do, I don't think the Ultra would bother you too much. Although in saying nah. that. Uh, well, okay, there's, there's, two, there's, there's one feature in the Apple Watch Ultra. Mm. I don't know if a lot of people know this. We mentioned it on the show, I think, but I'll say it again in case we didn't. Um, the Apple Watch Ultra, one of the features in there that really appeals to a lot of people is the backtrack feature, where, you know, if you're, I guess if you're plotting a route, it must be if you've plotted a route and you get lost, you can route you back. Funnily enough, rather ironically, I missed this in the actual event. I'd... I, 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 it was only very briefly mentioned. Very briefly mentioned, yeah. And this isn't just an iOS, uh, sorry, watchOS 9 feature. This well, is purely for the Ultra. That's what I thought. I thought it was an Apple Watch Ultra feature because the way they kind of presented it suggested that, oh. but it's not. It's not. It's an Apple Watch iOS or Apple Watch OS feature because you can get it, I think, all the way back to Series 6. So, oh. yeah, you can get it on the 6, the 7, and the 8, and I, maybe, not the S, maybe not the SE. Maybe not the SE, but... I just... Well, yeah. why? Because it's only a GPS thing, right? Well, yeah, so, exactly, right? It's not anything particularly intelligent. I mean, it's just following GPS and it's just tracking it. So, but anyway, hmm. it's a good feature and I think that was one thing that intrigued me about it. But I'm going to no, look into that. It's more about the... For me, anyway, the, the whole thing is about the design. I can't, I like a chunky watch. Mm. Um, mm. Uh, you know, as well, Eddie Rabbit, the singer, once said, I love a chunky watch. Or was it Rainy Night? Can't remember which one it was. Um, I like both. I'm Scottish, so that's fine. But I do like a chunky watch, and I like, and I like a rainy night. A rainy night. Okay, that's a great song. Remember that one? I love no, sing a rainy it. Rainy night. I oh, love a rainy it. night. It's actually quite easy because th- basically the whole song is him singing yes. "I love a rainy night." I don't know what you're talking about. I've never You've heard never it heard before. the song "I Love a Rainy Night" by Eddie Rabbit. I don't even know. who's Eddie Rabbit. Are you, is this a He's dream? He's a singer. Rap? He's the singer of the song "I Love a Rainy Night." I love a rainy night. I, I love, love a rainy, rainy night. night. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well done. Everyone will know what I'm talking about except you. <laughs> I don't have a clue. Anyway, your <laughs> chunky watch. Yeah, you like it because of the design. Then you're saying aesthetically. Look at that word I just used. That was aesthetically, aesthetically said. 
you're uh, you're a fan of it. Is that it? Well, I mean, I, mean, I haven't had my hands on it yet, but yes, that's my belief is no, that it's no, going to no, be no, lovely. That's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. It looks terrible, right? The Apple Watch looks terrible. And I got, it, I got it in screaming orange. Well, that's even worse. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Are you planning to be buried in an avalanche at all? What is going on? The well, ultra in screaming orange. That's crazy. Ultra, I, I want to be found. I mean, that's the thing, right? I, this could be my last ever Apple Watch Ultra. I'm not saying it's my last Apple Watch purchase. I mean, it could be my last mm. watch purchase, you know, and then I die and then people find me. At least they'll find me because I've got the orange, right. uh, screaming orange wearing on that. This, you know? this episode really did go dark. Uh, not screaming orange. Okay, mm. look, the thing with the Ultra, the only <laughs> thing is the battery life. That's the only reason we should be excited by it. What is it, three days, are they saying? Yeah, th- well, 36 hours, right? So 36 hours, a day yeah. and a half. 60 hours on some mm. fantastic new setting that's not coming out till late in the year. Oh, that's I understand it. That. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, like low power mode. Yeah. yeah. That um, is impressive, right? That makes the difference for me. Oh, that's huge. I mean, that that is huge. But I'll, I'll be intrigued to see how this thing behaves. I mean, I know it's going to be great. And, and the speakers as well. That is a big selling point for me. I love the stereo speakers. The microphones <laughs> are going to be interesting because although you wouldn't really, I mean, I'm not caring so much about calls and stuff, but I have, you know, I, I'm sure we'll talk about this again, but, you know, I've, I've been talking a lot about the microphone inside my Apple Watch and having someone send me a recording years ago. So we're talking maybe on an Apple Watch Series 3 or even 4, someone sending me a recording and I couldn't tell the difference between it and a pretty high quality microphone I've got here, which is for broadcast. Oh, it's amazing. And so is the speaker, for that matter. It's amazing. It's okay. It's a bit tinny. It's not bad. Uh, it's not bad, but it's... it's ama- oh, but okay. it's going to be even I'm... better, because it's going to be stereo. It's going to be amazing. I'll get spatial audio. I'll have voiceover firing oh. out commands left and right, literally. That sounds fantastic. I, I, I just want yeah, to play well, with we'll, it. I, yeah, I don't we'll, care. I just want to play with we'll it. We'll wait and see when it's shouting out, at, shouting out in the middle of a recording and see how much you love the uh, loudspeakers then. Well, I must admit, I, I do find the Apple Watch okay. I, I do find I'm constantly adjusting the volume when I'm out and about, you know, because I, I, you have to be very careful because it is, it's one of those things that out and about, if you're on, say, a, say you go from being outside oh. in a busy street to in a car, yes. the volume is so ra- wildly different, right? It's yes, like it's all relative, screaming. Yes. Yeah, and it then is, it's, you're right. you know, when you're outside, it's nice and pleasant. But when you get in a car and you're, you're listening to it, it's like, geez, that's loud. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued to try it. So yeah, that's coming and the AirPods Pro 2 are coming. So looking forward to that. Uh, look, let's get some feedback because uh, lots of you have been sending in your emails and your voicemails. Keep that coming if you want to. Feedback at ami.ca. That's feedback at ami.ca. Which is uh, oh, the telephone one, number. 187 oh. I think that's right. Yeah, that's that's so easy to remember when you do it that way, as opposed to one eight seven seven eight zero three four five six seven. Ah, you could say it that way if you're Scottish. I suppose that would work. Okay, carry on. Give us a call. <sighs> Paul's been in touch on email, and Laura reads the email to us. Hello, all. Just been listening to the episode on Monday the twelfth, and I've had a thought regarding the Envision glasses GPS issue. On the App Store, you can get an app by Ordnance Survey that gives you your GPS location. You could literally hold your phone up in front of the glasses and the agent would be able to see where you are by the GPS grid reference on your screen. With regards to the accessible home display for monitoring your energy use, I had never even heard of this. I gave my energy provider, EDF, a call and asked about it and they said no problem, we'll send one out in the post. Should be here in about four to six days. Part of the reason I left British Gas was because of the terrible customer service. Would never go back to getting energy from them. EDF are always polite and helpful. Being blind, I have limited success using the internet, accessing accounts. I find it so much easier speaking to someone on the telephone to deal with any issues that I might have. Good customer service is so very important to me. Paul from Ripley. Yes, believe it or not. (laughs) Oh, I get it. Oh, that was good. Did you get that? Yeah, well done. (laughs) I did. Sorry, I got with it. Um, (laughs) Thank you, Paul. Yeah, that's interesting. So, yeah, he just calls up his energy supplier and he gets it. So all you have to do is change your energy provider to uh, EDF. Whoever they are. Yes, uh, no, pro- <laughs> no problem. Yeah, it's interesting. Look, again, you know, Paul didn't know about it. Again, why, how do you get, how do you reach people? You know, how do you get this information out there? Because it's really important. 
Well, we, we've got this thing called a, sh- a radio show and a podcast. We've got a TV oh, show yeah, as well. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. You yeah. know, we, yeah. we, we, we talk to people and people listen. Well, I and think then I guess those people leaflets. talk to other people. We do leaflets as well. You want to do a leaflet, right? Okay. Yeah, and Excellent. T-shirts. And okay. T-shirts. Will we get advertising on billboards as well and possibly on b- backs of buses? Yes. Excellent. I'll, I'll get Thank on to you. Mr. F about that <laughs> immediately in the morning. Oh, God bless you, Mr. F. If you don't Thank say you. that, he gets, he gets uh, very annoyed, you know. Oh, I know. I haven't he ever rang missed me that. the other day. Did he? Oh, well, he hasn't called yeah. me this week. That, I, I thought I I, I'm kind of waiting for some t- downpour of, of, of grief. Oh, I, I, really? <laughs> Why? I don't know. I don't know. I'll find out when it comes About our show? In. Probably, yeah. <laughs> ah, dear. Yeah, I didn't even know he had my number, but, you know, he's, he's got uh, resources and he, he called me up. It was yeah, a got, beautiful, got it, beautiful got it from moment. Mark. Yeah. Oh, oh okay. Right. Stop it. I feel special. Don't take it away from me. <laughs> uh, oh, right. Yeah, sorry. The uh, ordinance survey. That's a fantastic idea and absolutely right. I think the problem would be that the software that the IRA agents use, their dashboard, if you will, I don't know if they could just plug in the GPS coordinates and, you know, it could work that way. Or if it just, you know, it's designed to take the GPS signal uh, internally, if you like. So I don't know if they could do it that way, but it's a really cool idea. Yeah, I mean... The suggestion from Janine Stanley when she was on here from Ira was if you make the call from your smartphone first and then they can plot you on the map and then use your, and then you know hang up that call and then make the call from your glasses and that is the kind of workaround at the moment. Um, but it sounds like they're, they're, work, they're clearly working on this and I, I'm fairly, I vaguely remember, I mean, mm. if there's a way of going back and checking, I, I would, <laughs> but it doesn't seem to be. Um, but I vaguely remember something around it being a six-week away issue being fixed. I somehow remember six weeks being mentioned. Oh, that's maybe dangerous. I'm, You've given a time, time frame. skills on it, but I, oh. I like putting people in peril. I'm so, so sorry, Janine. I, I didn't say that. That was Mr. Stephen Scott. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, They're working on it. It'll be fixed. Don't panic. It's, yeah, well, do you know what? It's going to be fixed, and it'll be fine. It's going to be... And actually, I really look forward to the day that's, that's fixed, because that's going to be a... That, to me just cements it as as the perfect solution. I know you've been playing around with the RX Vision. You're not overly mm-hmm. impressed, are you? I am not, no. It, uh, Ira has got to be the thing that, that brings that that product up to its potential because at the minute, uh, it, it, no, honestly, I can't recommend it because it, it, I don't find it works as well as seeing AI. I'm a bit confused about the RX thing. I, I don't know. I, I guess development is ongoing, Um because and I do feel that with this product, it does feel very much like day one. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and it almost feels I feel slightly uncomfortable. That's why I slightly hesitate in saying I wouldn't recommend it because it does feel like this is almost in its beta. This is in development. Yeah. So I don't want to come down on it too hard. But at the same time, you know, people are laying out money for this, and right now, I just, as I said, I just don't think it, it works up to uh, just the phone and the app at the minute. But what seems to be happening is there's some kind of collaboration thing going on, it appears anyway, I mean, just from what I've been reading between the lines and, and hearing bits along the way, that they're doing a bit of a collaboration with the Blind Shell at the moment. And that's interesting, because if I'm right in saying, I think the Blind Shell Classic 2 is USB-C, um, has a USB-C connection. So. yes. So well, you could potentially be. plug that into the Blind Shell Classic 2. I mean, actually there's opportunities to plug it into other devices as well. I think the Stellar Trek might be an option, although that was a bit of a rumour that was going around the internet. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really interesting, isn't it? This development, this year has been a real... Um, it's been quite weird in some ways that we would expect this kind of excitement from the Googles and the Apples, but not from not from specialist companies. We wouldn't normally get this excited about products or be talking this much about these products. Yeah, there's some really interesting work going on in AI and and the whole you know uh, image detection, object detection. You know, like the Stellar Trek with the two HD cameras in it, and like the ARX and Envision and all that. It's really interesting times. Usually, we wouldn't see that. As you said, that's the the um, the area just for mainstream and big tech, right? Because mm. this stuff isn't easy, but it is trickling down. And uh, yeah, it's quite impressive what they can do with AI nowadays. I think it's because we've all just, we kind of woke up at the beginning of 2022 expecting the news from Apple that they were going to launch Glass and it hasn't happened. 
Uh, and mm. I don't think it will this year. It looks like maybe next year, even year after, before we see anything. And if we do see something, it's probably going to be VR. Pfft, who cares? VR. <laughs> Sorry, they got to do something. That's I mean, that, that, that iPhone 14, the vanilla iPhone 14, there is no difference. There's no difference no, there's between not. that and the 13, unless you're going for the Pro the or 12. Pro Max. Even the 12. I mean, I don't think if you've got a 12 right now, I wouldn't bother upgrading. Yeah, absolutely. They, they need something. It's a bigger conversation, but there is a there is a conversation to be had around how often we should see a new iPhone, and I don't think we should see one every year. I don't think it does need it doesn't need any more no. at all. You know, no. I mean, it's a nice thing to have and it's a nice thing to talk about, but it's getting harder and harder to justify the, even the conversation. Never mind buying it. Uh, look, anyway, stick around. We've got Colin Hughes coming up. He is here next to talk all about his experiences of Apple's new iOS accessibility features. Stick around. Send us your feedback to feedback at ami.ca. Leave us a voicemail at one 803 4567 You're listening to Double Tap. This is Double Tap. Now, back to the show. Yeah, this is Double Tap, and today on the show I'm joined by Colin Hughes. Now, Colin has muscular dystrophy, and uh, he has been exploring some of the new features of iOS 16 for himself as someone with muscular dystrophy. So, slightly different to the accessibility features we might talk about here on the show. Uh, Colin, it's great to have you back on uh, Double Tap with us. Good to be with you. Let's talk about iOS, macOS, everything, frankly, Apple, uh, because, of course, we know all of these new features are being dropped and it is really interesting to read about them. But I think it's also interesting to know how they work and the real impact that they have. Uh, now, interestingly, one feature which a lot of blind people kind of screwed up their eyes to, I guess, was the Apple Watch mirroring feature. We're thinking, well, okay, how does that work? Um, how will that benefit us? Well, as blind people, I'm not so sure, um, although I think there could be some value in there. Um, but for you, as someone who lives with muscular dystrophy, who would, I guess, have many challenges trying to use the Apple Watch, this has made life a little bit easier? Definitely. I mean, I was uh, hot off the tracks as soon as the public beaters were released, I was in there trying them out and so on. And when it came to the watch, um, Apple mirroring was you know, top of my list. Um, gave it a go for the first time that last weekend because it was in the second public beta that it actually worked properly. And wow, I mean, it was amazing the accessibility that it gave me immediately. You know, I could get into the settings of the Apple Watch and tinker them and fine-tune them and adjust them. And I'd never, ever been able to do that on my watch. So obviously on a minute-to-minute, hour-by-hour basis, it's not going to be a much benefit. You, know, you have to set yourself up in the right place on a table with your phone nearby. Um, so in that sense, it's not spontaneous, but to be able to fine-tune and adjust your Apple Watch settings easily was a first for me. Um, and I can see that it's going to have huge benefits going forward. So, you know, um, well done, Apple. Yeah, and it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because you talk about all the value from your perspective and from mine. I think there's probably a lot of people out there who will have muscular dystrophy and a visual impairment who'll find this really useful. I have. It's funny, isn't it? With Apple, you kind of know that it's going to work across the board. Voice control was a great example of that, where a lot of us as blind people thought, "Well, that's brilliant for someone who can't use a computer with their hands," but that won't work with someone who's blind. And it did. It worked with voiceover. So. I have the same kind of hopes for Apple Watch mirroring as well for those who might need it. Um, so that that is definitely yeah, a success. You think that's 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 good news. That, a huge success yeah. from from the get go. Okay, let's talk about voice control and dictation and voice control generally in macOS, I guess, because you've been quite public. I've read a number of articles, and we'll definitely share these out to people so that they're aware. But for people who don't know, um, you, you've been quite vocal on voice control and you just don't think it's up to standard yet, even now. Even now, I've just been trying the 
macOS Ventura public betas that have been out and really sad to report next to no improvement. When I last spoke to you, I think I ran through, you know, half a dozen major issues with voice control dictation. And it's really sad to report, having tried the public betas this summer, that when macOS Ventura is out publicly, the final version, they're likely to include exactly the same bugbears and issues you know, that they've had since it first launched in 2019. No changes, uh, no improvements. But what it means in practice is a lot of frustration, um, lack of productivity, um, energy wasted for people who have very low energy levels anyway. And, you know, what it means in practice is people may struggle to hold down a job if they're using a Mac computer. Students who have to write essays and dissertations may struggle. Um, and it's also quite difficult to write longer uh, messages on Facebook, on WhatsApp. They're just ever strewn with the same old problems. Now, you've got a theory about all this, and I'm intrigued to explore this with you. You have the theory that Apple are not in charge of the technology behind what is making voice control work. Is that right? Yes. I raise it as a question because, as you said, I have been very vocal publicly and privately on the shortcomings with voice control dictation. And normally, Apple are very receptive to anyone's suggestions to improve their products. But in three years, they've made next to no improvements to voice control. It's maybe a question, does Apple actually own the voice technology behind both Siri and voice control dictation? Or do they only license it? I don't know the answer, but I'm really curious about why they can't improve voice control dictation because it's such a un-Apple-like uh, application. Mm. Don't get me wrong, the navigation and for short messages, it's still magical. Um, you know, I won't deny that, but there is a huge body of disabled people who work, study, and they need something more professional more up to the job. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because some of these accessibility features almost feel like they are there as window dressing and they're good. I mean, and, and they certainly are functional for some small tasks, but not for the big work, you know. And this is the problem when you're in employment, you need to do more than just the basics. You need, you know, to, to be able to dictate more than just a paragraph. You might have a whole story to tell or a whole letter to write or whatever it is you're doing. You have to be able to do it. And interestingly, you have been using for a long time Dragon on Windows. And you have and you were telling me before we started that you're using uh, Parallels on the Mac. And when you're going between the two, you're just, as far as you're concerned, it's night and day, right? Exactly. It really is. And as an Apple man, I'm desperate to you know, let go of Parallels and just use voice control. For dictation, and I really thought that this summer, with the release of macOS Ventura, this would be the year that that could finally, finally happen. And a few weeks into the public betas, I'm extremely doubtful. Probably for the rest of 2020 to into 23, I'm still going to be using. Dragon in parallels 
as my only option for serious voice dictation. If I want to send a friend a happy birthday message in the Messages app on the Mac, yes, sure, the um, voice control dictation is fine for that. But if I wanted to write you, a, you know, some background notes on things I've discovered, there was a page wrong. I wouldn't touch voice control dictation with a barge bar. It would be dragon on the window side. And what about Google? Because they've been doing a lot of work on voice as well. And we've got the new Pixel phone coming out this year. Everyone seems to be very excited about this Pixel 6a. Uh, not just the hardware itself, but the capability of Android today. Uh, have you ever had a, a play there? Have you ever had a, a chance to muck around with some of the Google tech to see what your, your take is on that in comparison to iOS, for example? Well, I'll tell you a funny story. Uh, Sunday night, late on, I'd just seen a tweet from an influencer who I really respect, and he just tweeted a short musing that said, really impressed with the speech recognition of the 6A. Um, he wasn't selling anything, not merchandising anything. There was no affiliate link with it, nothing. It was just amusing. But because I respect him, I went on to the Google store at 10 o'clock Sunday night. I selected the um, the... 6A to purchase, added it to the basket, £400. I then noticed that bundled in was the um, Google uh, Pixel Buds for free. So I thought, oh, well, very good, I'll take those. Um, but then I thought maybe the microphones are even better on the Google 6A, Google Pixel Buds Pro. So I thought, I'll get those, because they were just released. So I think the final total in the basket was nearly £600, something like that. So I pressed purchase, and then I lay and waited for about an hour, and I mulled over all the implications of switching from Apple to Android, with all the daily tasks that I do, the smart home stuff, the voice stuff, the home control stuff, and I click cancel. Cancel the order, and not coming. <laughs> um, and thank goodness I was able, you know, to do it, because they give you a, a window of time mm. where you can cancel. So, in a nutshell, no, I've never tried Pixel, but heard hugely positive reports about the speech recognition part. I'm really tempted to try, but dread the migration. Yeah, see, this is exactly my problem. And, you know, it's not just that, is it? It's the whole ecosystem that you buy into with Apple as well which is really hard yeah, to break away from. It's very hard because, you know, almost everything I do, it's all about the integration. It's doing one thing on the watch, picking up on it on the iPhone, getting another part on the MacBook. It's just that integration. It's, uh, it's amazing. Yeah, they really, they really do have us. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, the problem. They, they really do. do. And no one else has managed it. I mean, I know Google's tried a little bit with the Pixel and then the whole Pixel book experience. And there was a little bit of cohesion there, but again, nowhere near the level and certainly not the level of accessibility and capability either. That's the problem. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the main come a time in the next year or two when Google has the Pixel Watch out. That's a tempting proposition. And, you know, I, as someone who's been trying out accessibility on the Samsung range of watches, the Watch 4, recently, um, yeah. I've been deeply, deeply 
depressed <laughs> by the results, right. especially around uh, Talkback on the watch. Because one thing about Talkback, whether you're an Apple fanboy or not, you can accept that Android is is great uh, with Talkback uh, on their phones, yes. but on the watch, dreadful, absolutely dreadful. And I don't know if it's, I, I don't think it's the software. I have a hunch it's the hardware in the device. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's powerful enough to be able to do what it needs to do. It doesn't, it just doesn't have the, the, the oomph, if that's the right word, mm-hmm. behind it. And, you know, clearly Apple have got more oomph in their watches, which makes it more of a joy to use. Um, and once they get that sorted, and I'm really looking to Google to do this, once they get that sorted, I think that Pixel Watch will be, or maybe even Samsung Watch as well, will become a real, a, a, a real opportunity for competition with the Apple Watch. At the moment, there is nothing else, yeah. frankly, like it in the accessibility field. I don't know how you've uh, felt about that, if you've tried any of these yourself. I haven't tried any of the other watches, but there are two things that Apple really need to do for people like me when it comes to the Apple Watch. And number one is they've got this new feature, which is assistive touch quick actions. Um, unfortunately, they just don't work for me. But I'm really kind of surprised because I'm not completely paralyzed. So I've got reasonable movement in my fingers and wrists. Obviously, because the muscles are wasted, the bow's movements are quite weak, but they are there. It's not like I'm paralyzed. And I put the watch on my wrist. I tap my fingers together, which is one gesture. I clench my fist, which is another gesture. And I can never get it to work Mm. with the Apple Watch. And I would like to see them sort of um, introduce like a, a little training setup app, a bit like they do with the AirPods and the, the Fit, where you open an app and you check the Fit, whether it's the, the seal or not. They could perhaps introduce an app on the watch where they check what level of movement and strength of movement you have in your hand or your fingers, and they adjust the settings accordingly. I think that would then really widen access to a feature that I would find really helpful. Um, Because, you know, voice articulation with me is compromised quite a lot because of my breathing. So if I had my watch on my wrist and all I had to do was clench my fist to answer a call or trigger Siri, this would be a real boon for me. Um, but the fact that I can't still a year on make use of assistive touch the Apple Watch is you know, a little bit disappointing this summer because I did feed back to them that they should try and widen access a bit. Um, but it's fallen on deaf ears by the looks of it. And the second thing they should do with the Apple Watch is, in a similar vein, is make waking up Siri um, more, more simpler, especially for people with limited limb movement, because to wake her up, you really need to twist your wrist and lift it up a bit. And a lot of people find that difficult. So whilst in the settings, it says as an option, always on Siri, it's not always on Siri. It's always on Siri if you can lift your wrist, twist your wrist. Otherwise, Siri is as deaf as a dodo, as they say. <laughs> um, so those are the two changes with Apple Watch I like to see Apple make. Just to widen access, because 
I think it's a product which is really tailor-made for very severely disabled people. And I, I use the blood oxygen levels monitoring a lot, the sleep stuff, the heart stuff. I still struggle sometimes to make a phone call or make a serial request. So I think there's a, a bit more work to do. Yeah, and I think a lot of people don't realise that, you know, a lot of people think that the health features inside these devices, they're great, you know, they're gimmicky, they're fun, they're something to you know aim for, achieve. And for people who are really into the fitness, it's great. And that's kind of how it's always advertised. But for a lot of us, and, you know, for a long time, and I thankfully now know I don't have this, but my watch, you know, told me or thought that it, it, it was telling me that I had atrial fibrillation. Fibrillation, I could never say that word. Right. And because it gave me that warning, I went to the doctor and I had extensive tests. And thankfully, it turned out I didn't. I did have a kind of a regular heartbeat, but not quite at the level of AF. And the fact the watch picked up on that was brilliant because had that been AF, I'd kind of want to know that. That can have huge impacts and on, you know, obviously the chances of getting a stroke or, or all of that kind of thing. Um, so, you know, it was really good yeah, that it had really that. Important. Yeah, really important. And, you know, that's this is where yeah. the, the technology can really make the difference in just little ways. But for a lot of people who rely on knowledge to get through their day about their body, about their health, that's where it's crucial, actually. You need access to it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, another, you know, on the positive side, what's come to the Apple Watch this summer is crosses, but something I've called for for a long time and is, is a no-brainer, is using Siri to turn on auto-answer hands-free, which is really uh, useful. Um, if you have your AirPods in, then you don't need to raise your wrist or twist your wrist. Um, and I'm able to say, Hey, Siri, turn on auto answer. Um, that is definitely welcome, and um, I use it. Um, but one thing they've left out, which is another thing I asked for, is I'm really into uh, automation. Anything that can make life easier, ease of life, um, automate things, having to speak less is good um, because it saves energy. Um, I wanted a Siri shortcut where every time my carer puts the Apple Watch on my wrist, it recognizes it's on my wrist and runs a shortcut to put auto answer on automatically without me having to make that Siri request in my voice. And similarly, when my carer takes the Apple Watch off at the end of the day, you don't want auto answer on when you're in the bedroom, you know, having downtime, you don't want your watch suddenly answering the phone. Who knows what you're up to? Mm-hmm. So it'd be great for a, an automation to run at that point that switches off auto answer. But you might benefit a lot if it's on all day um, when the watch is on your wrist. Um, But sadly, there's no setting in Siri shortcuts for set auto answer. There is other accessibility features, but so often over the past few years, I found that auto answer is, you know, the forgotten accessibility feature. It's buried deep in settings, hard to find, and it's often neglected by Apple. So it's something I'll be campaigning for. Please can we control auto answer with Siri shortcuts? Now you mentioned also about calls and hanging up and answering calls. You obviously talking about auto answer there, but one area which again seems like a no-brainer is being able to hang up a call using Siri. 
And for the longest time, that wasn't possible. And uh, it's fair to say, based on our correspondence, that you found it quite emotional the day that it turned up. Public beta 2 was released. It had been withdrawn in public beta 1. So suddenly, public beta 2, the feature was back and working. So as, at the first opportunity, I decided uh, to call my dad. And no surprise, it went straight to voicemail. Um, however, I got him on the second try and enjoyed a great conversation with him as usual. And then history was made. He didn't have to end the call. I ended it on my terms with hey Siri, end call. And after I put the phone down, metaphorically speaking, um, a huge well of emotion came over me. Um, but I think it was just that sense of suddenly the sheer relief of being able to do something for the first time on my own that the vast majority of people don't even give a passing thought. And it just felt life-changing and magical. Um, and I think for me, you know, it's probably the number one feature this year when it comes to um, accessibility. I've campaigned for a long time for this because it was illogical that Siri could place a call but couldn't end it. Um, so it's great to close off that call handling story. Well, listen, thank you uh, once again, Colin, for coming on. Really appreciate your time and uh, let's catch up soon. Great. That is it for us today. Thank you so much for being with us on Double Tap. Remember, you can keep your feedback coming, feedback at ami.ca or call us on one 803 Mark's back with me tomorrow. Sean and I together on Monday. Have a great weekend. Love Double Tap? Did you know we're on the TV too? Check out brand new episodes of Double Tap TV on AMI-tv every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Or binge on all episodes online at ami.ca forward slash Double Tap. We're also on YouTube. Search for Double Tap to catch our episodes there too. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit ami.ca. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.